0: Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. I have been so encouraged today. This has been an exciting service for me. And Greg, that song you just led was really a blessing. I hadn't sang it in a long time. On the way from earth to heaven, we've got promises. It starts out by saying you may be a weary passerby, and I don't know if you had a weary week or an exciting week, but living here on earth can be very tiresome at times. And uh, one of the reasons to come to church on Sunday morning is to get some encouragement for the journey. So the message this morning from Luke 4, I believe will be encouragement for the journey. It sure has been for me as I've read and reread this scripture. Luke chapter 4 pictures our victorious Jesus. And we want to live in victory and often find ourselves not there But uh, I've been encouraged in my walk with the Lord, thinking about Jesus. Jesus always gives updrafts. One time we had a pastor, one of our previous churches, who would say, Jesus always gives updrafts, and I like that. So if you're uh, struggling in your mind, trying to think, is this from Satan tempting me? Is this my conscience bothering me? Is this the Holy Spirit? Of Jesus? Well, Jesus always gives up drafts. Jesus always draws us closer to him, to his word, toward life and love and joy and peace. So this morning I was thinking about Fanny Crosby's song, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. We're going to look at some of the words of Jesus here in Luke 4. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Luke's gospel is a wonderful gospel. It's sometimes called the gospel of the outcasts. And we can thank this mysterious man, Theophilus. Uh, The Holy Spirit somehow used Theophilus and Luke to write one-third of the New Testament, the book of the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts that Luke wrote to this mysterious man, Theophilus, to explain the story of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and uh, what happened after Jesus went back to heaven. So Luke is writing about how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Where do do we turn for the Christmas story? It's Luke chapter 2. What happened that night is best described, or in most detail, how the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to earth. Now we're in Luke 4 today, fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past, how for our sins he, Jesus, was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. Tell of the years of his labor, tell of the sorrow he bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected and poor. So Jesus in Luke 4 we're going to see, out in the wilderness, tempted for 40 days of Satan, Now, we often are tempted because of our own sins, aren't we? Sometimes we're tempted because of Adam's sin nature and our parents' mistakes and other people. A lot of times, though, we're tempted because of our own past mistakes. Because as each victory can help us some other to win, so each failure can make it harder uh, to win and easier to fail again. But Jesus, Fanny Crosby writes, Fasting alone in the desert tell of the days that are past how for our sins he was tempted. It's because of my sins and because of your sins that Jesus experienced what he experienced in Luke 4. Well, if you found it in your Bibles, go ahead and stand. And I'm going to read the first 13 verses, Luke chapter 4. We're going to go with Luke's gospel to the place of Jesus' temptation. We're going to look at some of the points of his temptation and we're going to see the power that he had to overcome temptation, the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter four, and Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he was afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, Thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taketh him up into a high mountain and showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power I will give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, to whomsoever... I will give it, if thou wilt therefore worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And the devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, Thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answering said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him for a season. I want to read the next two verses. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just come to you today with joyful and thankful hearts. Thankful that you did not leave us in our sins, but you sent a Savior. And we thank you for him. And we're praying in his name today. You will take this scripture and write it on our hearts. We come today with different needs and we pray that each need that is here today would be met through Christ. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The place of Jesus' temptation took place in the desert And it wasn't just three temptations, it was probably many temptations and many days. Because 40 days is a long time, especially if you're without food. After about four hours, I'm hungry. Forty hours is a long time to be without food and 40 days even longer. And he was out there not as I mentioned, because of his sins, but because of our sins. He was also out there, if you look at the beginning of this passage, because the Holy Spirit led him there. Now, God is not the one who tempts us with evil, but God, in his wisdom, led Jesus into and through temptation, and sometimes it's God's will for us to also be in temptation. Temptation is not sin it's yielding to the temptation that is sin. Sometimes I think we get confused on that. We uh, feel contaminated by temptation to sin, but temptation is not sin. And Jesus' place of temptation was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now, the setting uh, is right after his baptism. And this story is told in Mark and in Matthew as well. Mark's gospel was the shortest gospel, and maybe was the first one written. It's very fast-moving. You see words like straightway and immediately, and and, um, I think by about chapter 1, verse 12 or so, I have it in my notes here, this story of the temptation right there. Now, Matthew and Luke, it was chapter 4 before they got to the temptation because they had other details to share but Mark's gospel does put in a little note that the other two don't have and that is Jesus was tempted of the devil with wild animals. Now some of you probably like safaris and zoos. But those places usually have some kind of barrier between us and the wild animals. I this is my opinion. I don't think these wild animals were particularly friendly or comforting. Now there were angels. That's mentioned In at least two of the Gospels, there were angels comforting and helping Jesus through these 40 days of temptation. But the place of his temptation was a lonely and a scary and a difficult place. That's how temptation is. Temptation, just by its nature, is not comfortable. And probably the worse the temptation, the more lonely the more difficult, the more scary. But our title today is Our Victorious Jesus, so let's keep lifting up our eyes to see how he faced his temptations. Temptations can come in church, and they can come right after church. Jesus' place of temptation, as I mentioned, was right after his baptism. He was baptized by his cousin John, and an amazing thing happened. Well, let's back up. The baptism, uh, John didn't think it was necessary. Baptism is a sign, an outward sign of an inward change. And the change that we all need is to be changed from sinners to saints. Jesus didn't need that change, so it's puzzling why he was baptized. And John the Baptist was very puzzled, and he said, you don't need to be baptized. I need to be changed. I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said, Go ahead, this is the right thing to do. Uh, Maybe one of the reasons was that he is our example in baptism. He was also our example in temptation. Well, immediately after the baptism, an amazing thing happened that must have been a real high point in Jesus' life. The Father's voice came out of heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended, as it were, in the form of a dove. And so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all there together in a beautiful picture. They are all one God, but three persons or three manifestations of one God. And Jesus, after that amazing time of baptism and the Father and the the Spirit being with him in such a close way, he then is into this place of temptation. We probably shouldn't be surprised if tomorrow, after a great time of worship, If we will face temptation, we can face it victoriously, even as Jesus did. Now, the points of temptation, uh, there are three of them mentioned. The first had to do with God's provision. And it's interesting, he didn't say, hungry bread, go ahead and work a miracle. But he, Satan started by saying, if you are the son of God and I think sometimes this is the way temptations come to us as well if you're really a Christian then why isn't God meeting this need if you're really so spiritual and you're really growing in the Lord then why aren't your prayers being answered Why is this need still in your life? Well, Jesus answered him with God's word, didn't he? Basically, I believe Jesus was saying, I'm trusting in God's provision. I'm trusting in God's timing. I'm going to believe God. This was a temptation to doubt. This was a temptation to doubt that God really cared. And Jesus faced it. He faced it with a declaration of his trust in his heavenly father, that he was going to trust God to provide for his needs in his time and his way. And he was not going to take things into his own hands. Praise the Lord, Jesus was victorious in temptation. The second point of temptation in this gospel actually is recorded as Jesus being taken to a high mountain. Um, The other two gospels reverse two and three, but I think these temptations came to Jesus. These three temptations are just types of the various temptations that he faced. The second temptation here in Luke's gospel has to do with God's plan for Jesus. Satan somehow knew that Jesus was planning to redeem man. All the details of how that was going to happen were hidden from him. At least we read that if he would have known that killing Jesus would have brought in salvation, he wouldn't have allowed it to happen. So Satan didn't know all the details, but somehow he must have, in his mind, realized that Jesus was here to set captives free, to uh, restore people, to fellowship with God. And uh, somehow he may have even known that the cross was ahead. And he was going to suggest to Jesus that there was another way to save the world. And that is worshiping him. If you will just worship me, Jesus, then I'll give you all the authority, all the position, all the glory of ruling the world. Uh, We could probably argue whether Satan really has that offer to give. Satan is just the master of lies and half-truths, isn't he? He told Adam and Eve in the garden, if you do what I say, then you're gonna be like God. You're gonna know good and evil. And you're not going to die. You know, each of the different things, there's kind of half-lies and half-truths mixed in. Well, Jesus praised the Lord He was victorious in this point of temptation, this point of following God's plan, even though it meant suffering. He said, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to worship him alone. It's unthinkable for me to worship you, Satan. So he was going to trust in this first temptation. He was going to trust God's provision. And in the second place, he was going to trust God's plan for his life and for the world and for glory and for authority and for position. He was going to not compromise with Satan. And we can follow Jesus in this area of victory over temptation. When we're tempted to compromise just, oh, it's just a little thing. Nobody will know we can stand up to Satan in the power of the Holy Spirit, even as Jesus did and said, I'm worshiping God and him alone. Now the third temptation has to do perhaps with God's protection. It also could have to do with the the, uh, thing of faith. The first temptation was, you know, God doesn't really care about you. If he cared about you, you wouldn't be hungry. This temptation, in a way, this last temptation takes the opposite or another side of that saying, you're really important to God. And if you're really God's son, you can exploit the promises of God. You can have lots of confidence in God. Now, I don't know which corner of the temple it was. Uh, I was doing a little reading about the temple over the Kidron Valley. There was a couple different corners that were very high. And in the time of Jesus, apparently before this temple was destroyed later, in the century, uh, it was something, I read something like 450 feet down uh, from the, that corner of the temple. Cast yourself down. There's a promise in Psalms that God will protect you and you won't bang your foot against a stone. You will be protected. This is a, a temptation, maybe, for overmuch faith or what we would call presumption. It's wrong to presume on God's promises, isn't it? It's right to claim God's promises and to trust in them, but to presume God's promises is wrong. And so we need to be careful, even as we think about scriptures, there may be some scriptures that don't apply to a situation that Satan could use. I was reading in my preparation for this message, somebody wrote, Satan's head is full of scriptures, but his heart is empty of them. So we need to be careful Even as we study scripture and as other people say to us, hey, I have a word for the Lord from you. That's encouraging if it truly is a word from the Lord. But we need to listen with a certain amount of discernment, don't we? Because Jesus had sometime later, Peter came to him with a word from the Lord. Don't go to the cross. Don't talk like that, Jesus. This isn't God's will for you. And Jesus said a remarkable thing to Peter, didn't he? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus was recognizing the words of Satan in, in, using, uh, in, uh, in speaking through Peter. So I'm not saying we should be uh, distrusting or, or uh, mean to someone who comes to us. With a word from the Lord, but we should test the spirits, the Bible says. We should listen with discernment. And if we haven't heard that word from the Lord, we should not proceed quickly just because someone else says they heard a word from the Lord about us. So these points of temptation, and there were probably other points, but I think these were the three big points that Jesus faced. And we face them too, don't we? Trusting God's provision. Trusting God's plan for our life, even if it includes suffering. Trusting God's promises that He will protect us and not moving out rashly uh, on His promises. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus, our high priest, is totally familiar with all of our temptations because He was, in every point, Tempted even as we are, yet without sin. That's encouraging. There's no temptation taken you, Paul writes in Corinthians, but those temptations that are common to man. We like to think my temptations are a lot stronger than other people's temptations because of the hereditary that I had my father's sins, my grandfather's sins, and, you know, we just have some really strong family tendencies that make it harder for me. Have you ever thought those kind of thoughts? Or maybe you've made enough bad choices in the past, as I have, that you think, well, you know, if I hadn't made all those bad choices, it would sure be a lot easier now. Well, Paul in Corinthians says, there is no temptation taken you, Dan, or David, or Gerald, or you put your name in, except those temptations that are common to man. Common to Jesus. He was tempted in all these points, even as we are. And you know the rest of that verse from Corinthians. It's so encouraging. God is faithful. Who will not allow you or me to be tempted above that which we are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that we can be able to bear it. Hallelujah. Jesus' power for temptation is the third Part of the message, and uh, we've already been in, into that, haven't we? Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, and Jesus was strengthened by the Holy Spirit, and that is the only power that we can have, the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The energy for our spiritual warfare is God's energy through the power of the Holy Spirit. I re—I heard a song this week called The Battle Within. Or actually, it was called War Within. And um, met some new friends recently and found out they were uh, songwriters and had recorded some albums. And I got an album and I was listening with interest to this, it was the title song of the CD, War Within. Well, sure enough, it was based on Romans 7, which describes that horrible war within. I want to do right, Paul writes, but I find myself doing wrong. And it's such a battle. And thankfully, the song also went to the end of the chapter because for me, understanding Romans 7 uh, is the end of the chapter, And I think we can find victory in this war within where we're failing, not wanting to fail, but yet we're failing and we're going back and forth. We can find victory, even as Paul did at the end of the chapter when he cried out, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? How can I ever win this war? And he said, I thank God it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes into the beautiful chapter eight, which says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Jesus is how we can find power for victory. Jesus was encouraged by angels as well. There's angels here today. There's many angels. And they are ministering spirits, Hebrews said, to help us toward God, to help us in victory. There's other believers around us. There's promises from God's word. There's so many blessings that we have to encourage us in victory. There's the Christian's armor that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. Take unto you the whole armor of God. And recently I was listening to John Koblenz, an audio book, on his uh, writing, probably twenty years old now, called uh, "Victorious." I think it's called "Victorious Christian Living." And about a third of his book has to do with spiritual warfare, and he says putting on these pieces of armor is actually putting on the Lord Jesus. And there's wonderful scripture where Paul says, "Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus." Uh, that's Romans 12, verse 14. Put off. The darkness, put off the deeds of darkness and rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And each piece of that armor, the belt of truth, the boots of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. All these pieces of Christian armor really are symbols of putting on the Lord Jesus. He is our truth, He is our strength, He is our assurance of salvation, He is the gospel of peace. My mother used to say, We're no match for the devil. And that's very true. It's also very scary. John Koblenz in his book says, We are no match for the devil. And here's the part I like. He followed by saying, But the devil is no match for Jesus. Is there an amen or a hallelujah to that? Jesus is our victorious savior. He showed us how to win against Satan. And so I'm so encouraged in this. And I have a message for you. I have a message for me. Brother Greg, I was uh, going to have a message for you. Would it be possible we sing Psalm 176? Faith is the victory. It's our faith in the Lord Jesus that gives us the victory. If you know it and can lead it in a bit, that would be great. And that's from 1 John. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that gives us strength and victory over sin, over self, over the devil. Well, there's strength for victory also in giving our testimony. And of course, we haven't talked about the blood of Jesus, but the blood of Jesus washes us from sin, gives us power over, over sin. Revelation 12.1. And they overcame Satan by the word, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. We should give our testimony every chance we get that God opens a door. Uh, the late Adrian Rogers said, in a, "He had a message where should you give your testimony." Part of his uh, message was that you should give your testimony to the devil, and it was based on Revelation twelve eleven. They overcame the devil by the word of their testimony. And in that message, uh, Pastor Roger said, you may ask me, why? Give my testimony to the devil? And he said, yes. Tell the devil where he comes against, when he comes against you with lies and insinuations, tell him that the Bible says he is a liar and that the Savior is truth. Declare to him, I am not going to argue with you. I am not going to plead with you. I am not going to wrestle with you. I'm just going to give you the word of my testimony. My sins are under the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I am saved and I am inhabited by the Holy Spirit of Jesus. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Satan, you are trespassing on my father's property. And in the name of Jesus, be gone. Now, you may wonder if you can speak to the devil like that. Is that praying to the devil? And Pastor Roger says, I am not praying to a cat when I say scat. I had to think about uh, Linus. Some of you know our cat Linus. He was walking quietly beside the front windows uh, yesterday morning of our living room. And I just, I like Linus. Those of you that. No, Linus, he, he's just a dear soul. And uh, I wanted to open the window and say, hi, Linus. Sometimes Linus actually will jump up through the window and come inside. But somehow the clank two feet away from where Linus was scared him. I didn't mean to scare him, but he actually jumped all four paws off the ground, away from the window, because he heard a sound to the side. I guess I told Diane, I guess that's where we get the, uh, the term scaredy cat. Cats do frighten easily, don't they? I don't think Satan, and I want to speak respectfully about Satan because he is a great force and we are no match for the devil. My mom was right when she said that. But thank God, Satan is no match for Jesus. And I just want to encourage your hearts here today with that thought. That Jesus is greater Our victorious Savior met Satan every time during these 40 days, during these three temptations that were like the end of the 40 days, as I read it, and later in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was so alone and even his closest friends couldn't stay awake to pray for him. And I think Jesus would have probably collapsed there had not angels come and strengthened him. He was victorious as he went to the cross. He was able to stay on the cross instead of calling angels to take him down from the cross. He did that because he loved us. And he's able to meet every need that we have today. Maybe there's someone here that's not accepted Christ. You're trying to do it in your own strength. You're hoping your own good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds. Well, the Bible says we all have fallen short of God's glory. The only way we can have our sins forgiven, the only way we can go on this path from earth to heaven is by the way of Jesus, by trusting Him as Lord and Savior. The only way we continue on the Christian life is by our faith in Jesus and what He has done for us on the cross and in His resurrection and in His present ascension. That's another thing we have going for us as Christians. Jesus is praying for us today. He never falls asleep on the job. We failed Him, He has never failed us. The Holy Spirit is praying according to the will of God. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to sort the problems out we're facing or others are facing. But the Holy Spirit is interceding. So whatever our need today, if it's a need for salvation or if it's a need for encouragement, we can find it in Jesus. And as we sing this closing song, I just want to encourage you If you have some big need in your heart, it's fine not to sing along. Just pray while others are singing. Open your heart to receive Christ. Open your heart to trust him with whatever is bothering you. And he will meet our needs. Brother Greg, was the word from the Lord on this song, was it good for you? That's good for you. All right, brother Greg, come and lead this song and let's uh, let's prayerfully sing this or pray whatever however the Lord leads you. God bless you. You've been a great audience today.
1: Faith is the victory. This is a song of triumph. If you can sing along that way, please do. Number 176 in the life songs. <laughs>